later on this afternoon, 4 to 6 p.m. in the huddle. He does it every Friday night from the TI. He tweeted out, the Raiders are trading wide receiver Brian Edwards to the Falcons. Terms not disclosed. And so that was from Vinny Bonsignor about 1230. And I thought, whoa, okay. Because we've been talking about wide receiver. We've been talking about the fact that uh, a lot of Raider Nation wanted the Raiders to go and try to make a move for uh, Nelson Aguilar. And I kept saying, oh, they don't need him. Don't need him. You know, you got all these different different weapons there for Derek Carr to throw the ball to. What makes you think you need to go out and get Nelson Aguilar? And I was including Brian Edwards into the mix. Well, as we found out today, he is no longer a member of the Silver and Black. He's been traded to the Atlanta Falcons. And now... We did find out what the what the compensation was. The Raiders not only traded Brian Edwards, but they sent a, a, a seventh-round pick as well in 2023. And in return, they got a fifth-round pick in 2023. So if you think about this, Raider Nation, and this is probably the most disappointing part of the whole situation, the whole scenario, as you, throw, you go back and you think about building a team, how do you build a team? How do you build quality depth within your organization? Well, what you have to do is you have to draft and you have to develop. And then when you feel like it's okay to move on from someone, you move on because you feel like there's quality young depth coming up behind them. That's cheap. Well, the Raiders don't have that luxury. And the reason I say that is if you go back to the 2020 draft, remember they had two first round picks. Who were those guys? Henry Ruggs, Damon Arnett, both gone. Henry Ruggs, we all know was released because of a terrible, terrible accident. Damon Arnett just wasn't very good. He was a knucklehead off the field, too, but he just wasn't very good. So both those first-round picks are gone. Remember what Mike Mayock, the former GM, said about the third-round picks? And I brought this up before, and people hammered me for it. I said, hey, man, Mike Mayock said, and I quote, having three third-round picks is like stealing. Remember he said that? Remember he said that? If you can't get starters in the third round, you're doing something wrong. Remember Raider Nation, he said that. And I'm not trying to hammer and try to pile on Mike Mayock, especially since he's not here and has no job. You know what I mean? Since he's not the GM anymore, I get that. But I remember specifically saying that, hey, Lynn Bowden Jr., who was one of the third-round picks, traded to Miami, never played it down for the Raiders. And then Tanner Muse, who everyone was told, even going into uh, last season, was going to be a player for the Raiders, didn't. He was released. So the last of the Mohicans was Brian Edwards in that third round. And then he gets traded today. So when you go back and you think about, hey, having three third-round picks is like stealing – you got to go get starters in the third round. What did you ultimately get with your first five picks that you had in the 2020 draft? Nothing. They're all gone. They're all gone. So when you're trying to build depth on your team, you have to use the draft to build it up. You have to get some quality depth in the draft. Now, to the for the Raiders, and the one bright spot is you can go back and look at that 2019 draft and say maybe the first-round picks didn't get their fifth-year options picked up. But... They got a lot of quality good players in in the later rounds. You know what I mean? So that's that's the saving grace is that there is young talent on the squad, but that's a complete whiff right there of the first five picks in the 2020 draft. Henry Ruggs, gone. Arnett, gone. Bowden Jr., traded. Edwards, traded. Tanner Muse, released. I mean, gone. It's just five up, five down. And for Edwards, he didn't do a whole lot, and I like him. I like Edwards a lot. I love the potential that he had, but it's that P word again, potential. He's got all the potential in the world. I see Falcon fans on Twitter right now fired up. Oh, the Raiders are stupid, man. They're dumb. They gave up Brian Edwards. Oh, man, this is going to be a steal. This is awesome. He's got talent. Brian Edwards has a ton of talent. Let's not get it twisted. A ton of talent. It just never 
rose to the top. You never separated. I have people hitting me up talking about they hate this trade. I hate this trade. Why would they do this? What have they done? What has he done to show that he needed to have a spot on the roster besides have potential? Potential is talent that has not developed yet. He is going into year three. Just hasn't developed. Just hasn't developed. You know, he was hyped up last uh, last offseason, last training camp. Oh, man, this guy's a, a, a blend of Randy Moss and T.O. Those are Hall of Famers. Those are Hall of Famers. Brian Edwards could barely stay on the field. And again, not trying to sound disrespectful to him because I thought he had a lot of potential. Thought he had a lot of talent. I like the fact that he catches the ball with his hands. I like the fact that he was clutching overtime for the Raiders many times in 2021, right? He did. He had some really good moments. The problem is they were only moments. There weren't enough moments for this new regime to say, yeah, he is worth keeping around. So Brian Edwards is on his way to the ATL. Does that mean that the Raiders don't have depth in the wide receiver position? No, they have plenty. Uh, let's see. My, my, I, I love, I love Mike. Mike's cool. Mike hit me up on Twitter. Q as someone who wants McDaniel's fired ASAP. I love this trade. Raiders fans, public opinion changes slowly, but surely wait till they're one and four at the bye. Peace. Mike is not a fan of the new regime. There's uh, and that, and that's okay. That's okay. I'm, I'm always one that says you don't have to agree with me. You don't have to agree with anyone. You're free to have your own opinion. And I love Mike because Mike always chimes in and, and shares his thoughts where 99% of the crowd may be going one way. Mike's like, ah, y'all go left. I'm a hook a right. You know what I mean? And that's okay. That's okay. That's why we have radio. That's why, that's why we all have different opinions. I'm fine with that. But I love it. Mike's active and he likes to, uh, he likes to chime in on the show and, and, and just, you know, voice his opinion. I appreciate that. So Mike, thanks so much for that. I don't see the, the team going one and four by the bye. I don't see that. Um, I know you don't like the new regime, and that's fine. There's a lot of people that don't just because of the, where they came from. If if this new regime never had Patriot ties, the people that don't like this new regime, would they still not like this new regime? If they never, ever stepped foot in New England in that organization, would they still feel the same way? That's my question. Joseph, let me bring you in real quick. Joseph's behind the wheels of steel here. Get that thing. Are you ready? Hey, there goes the mic. The mic's running away from Joseph. Hey, Joseph, what do you think, man? If 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 McDaniel, Ziegler, you know, everyone else that came from New England, if they had never been in New England, do you think that some people would still feel the way they do about this new regime? No. <laughs> Bottom line, right? Yeah. Well, it's also, look at McDaniel's success with Denver. Right. Or, or lack of. Lack of, I should say. Right. And then he went running back to, to Bill. And then same thing, Indianapolis. Right. Except he didn't. From what I could tell, I don't know if he signed the contract there or just no, you know, never got yeah, never got yeah, never got signed. Not only do you have McDaniel's here, but the Raiders did make a trade late last night for what I assume is a backup to Derek yeah, Carr yeah, yeah. Uh, talking about Jared Stidham, the Jared quarterback, Stidham, yeah, yeah, Jared Stidham. I know a lot about Jared Stidham, but yeah, there's a lot of New England representation yeah. in the in the Raiders organization, and so uh, you know you hear people say Patriots West and this and that. It's look, man. Look, this is the bottom line, and I'm never going to change someone's opinion. If you don't like the new regime, you're not going to like the new regime. I'm not here to try to convince you and change your mind. All I'm here is to deliver what I need to deliver and give my opinion, and we could debate the rest. That's like some. That's like 
all across sports with some regimes. That's, I mean, Mets, that's, Mets fan. I've, I, you know, I'm from the East Coast. Mets fans have been, you know, barking that tree up for years. <laughs> and even now with my Yankees, they're barking up that tree. But that's just, it's also, when you look at it, it also is just the tree that Bill Belichick just sends out. Right. It's sort of like with Parcells. It's like there's just a lot of guys that worked with him. Right. You had, I believe Vinny even said it yesterday, you had from the early 2000s Patriots team, Charlie Weiss. Yeah. Um, oh, there was plenty. Romeo Cannell. It just, Eric yeah. Mangini. Yeah. It, they just all eventually find their way out. Right. Now, with Patricia and McDaniels, eventually they do go end up, they, they go back to New England. Right. And a lot, I, a lot of them don't work out. Yeah. A lot of them don't work out. And so I get it. I understand what a lot of people saying. But I also say, hey, look, these guys are in the Raiders organization. Ziggler is the GM of the Raiders. McDaniels is the head coach of the, of the Raiders. You know, you have Patrick Graham, who was once an assistant in New England. I mean, there's so many. Look, they are now Raiders. So either you're going to embrace them or you're not. Yeah. And guys like Mike choose not to, and that's okay. Yeah. Well, that's like when you, like, let's say if Russell Wilson or even Patrick Mahomes was a Raider, you're still rooting for the Raiders. You might not. It's it's same thing. It's like if players change teams, you'll right. still root for that. I'll make another baseball reference. I know we're talking football. It's all good. But Johnny Damon, Red Sox. <laughs> that one know, hurt a lot of people, man. A lot of people were angry about yeah, that one. <laughs> grand Slam in Game 7. Right. He, came, he comes to the Yankees. I still. He was actually one of the Red Sox I tolerated. I actually liked. <laughs> so it's like, I love it. Tolerated. <laughs> even if the jersey changes, you sh- the, the, even if the jersey changes, it's still the jersey of the team that you like. Exactly. And if McDaniels goes out there and he starts 5-1 and one going into the bye, well, I... Right, right. People will have a different opinion. Facts. That is absolute facts. Thank you, Joseph. I definitely appreciate that. I love the baseball references, too. I'm a <laughs> I'm a baseball guy as well. But, yeah, that's the point, man. Look, either you're going to like him or you're not. It, it, it really doesn't matter. But, um, yeah, Brian Edwards is no longer a part of the Raiders. He's been traded now. He's on his way to the ATL, and they get a fifth round of return. I'll say this. People ask me straight up, Q, what do you think? Do you think they could have got more? No, because he hasn't done anything. He hasn't done anything. He hasn't done enough. He's had some good catches here and there, but he hasn't done anything as far as consistently showing that he could be a big-time player in the NFL. And that's, you know, it's unfortunate. But, I mean, it is what it is. Again, I was rooting for the guy. I think a lot of Raider Nation was rooting for the guy. It just didn't work out. The new regime felt like he was. it was time to move on from him. And I think he probably felt the, not the heat, but probably felt it as well. Like, hey, maybe I need a, a fresh start somewhere else as well. Maybe he goes to Atlanta and balls out. And if he does, Good. I don't think anyone's rooting against them. I think everyone's pulling for them. But this new regime felt like it was right to go in that direction and move on from them, so they did, and boom, there you go. Now, I mentioned the other day, matter of fact, yesterday, Keelan Cole, that, that signing became official. Uh, so anyway, he's Keelan Cole is paid, what, a million? Just about a million dollars, a little bit over a million dollars, gets a little uh, slight signing bonus. The Raiders basically save about $700,000 from moving on from Brian Edwards and bringing in a guy like Keelan Cole. Remember that they already signed Demarcus Robinson. I mean, you can start to see different guys being added to the mix that made you realize like, okay, this wide receiver room is getting thick, similar to the running back room. Look at the running back room. It's, it's thick as well. We've talked about that in, in great detail and there's going to be a lot of moving and shaking happen out before the actual 53 man roster hits the field, you know, before that skit, before that roster rolls out and, and we know who's going to make it through training camp and, and not get cut and stick around. There's going to be a lot of changes right now. They're dealing with a 90 man roster. So please believe there's going to be a lot of moving a lot of changes happening before it's all said and done. So uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts on Brian Edwards being traded. What do you think about the trade? The Raiders receive a fifth-round pick in return. Also, 
Want to know your thoughts on the schedule? And what I mean by that, now that you had 24 hours to digest the schedule, again, myself and Eddie Pascal, if you were listening to JT The Brick Show, we just kind of broke it down. We didn't give you wins and losses. We just went through and talked about each team. And if you want to see that video, you can check it out on YouTube. But now that you've had 24 hours to digest the schedule, you break it down, want to know what your overall thoughts are. What do you think the toughest stretch is? Where is it team-friendly or as team-friendly as it could possibly be? Because it looks like a pretty tough little stretch. You know, it looks like a pretty tough schedule, period. But, you know, you, you, you beat those teams, you play really well, you make a run to the playoffs, you're already, you know, you're already battle-tested. So uh, what are your overall thoughts on the schedule? If you want to throw out a win-loss record, if you've gone through and said, hey, they're going to be 10-7 and seven, or 13-4 and four, or 8-9 and nine, or whatever you think they're going to be, it's all good. Nothing, there's no wrong answer. Just want to get your thoughts on the schedule and want to get your thoughts on the Brian Edwards trade. 702-365-9200. We got the Salmon Ash text line at 69187, keyword R&R. Got a lot of texts already. Got one text from the 925 Cole, 1.2675 million. Yeah, there you go. Very, very minimal contract right there. So again, they're saving about 770000 having a guy like Cole on the roster instead of Brian Edwards. Not that I'm trying to save their money. I'm not trying to count their wallet because they know what they're doing, not me. Uh, who will be the number two wide receiver now? Keelan Cole? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, there's a guy named Hunter Renfro, and I know he's a slot receiver, but he's a pretty pretty big asset. I mean, let's not forget, the Raiders got Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro, and Darren Waller. I mean, just think about that. Think about that. If you're relying on Brian Edwards to be wide receiver number two, I think that you were, you were mistaken. I get it. Hunter Renfro is a slot receiver. No doubt. I understand. I understand the terminology, but... Hunter Renfro means way more to this offense than a Brian Edwards does. Darren Waller means way more to this offense than a Brian Edwards does. There's other guys that can step up. Don't forget about DeMarco, DeMarcus Robinson. Don't forget that Mac Hollins is still on the squad. Don't forget about Keel. I mean, there's, there's guys on the squad. It's deep. And again, Brian Edwards hasn't shown that he can consistently be the dude. When Henry Ruggs went out last year, Brian Edwards, for the most part, outside of overtime, was a no-show. Outside of overtime. <laughs> and I say that, and overtime is a big deal. A big deal. He came up clutch in the big in, in, in overtime. I don't know what it was about OT, but all of a sudden it's like, hey, Brian Edwards is open. I don't know what it was. Maybe the chemistry wasn't there throughout the course of the game, and then Derek's like, oh, there's Brian Edwards. Let me hit him. I don't know. I don't know what it was. But in overtime, he showed up. So, yeah, I think that the Raiders will have plenty of options for wide receivers. I don't think that that's something that you should be too concerned about. I uh, got a text from Sal in Arizona. Said, Q, what's up, though? My son SJ is crushed over Edwards' trade. Best of luck to the young man, but I think we'll be okay with our wide receiver core as is. Also, I'm eyeing the Nolens game too. Go Raiders. That's Sal in Arizona. And see, that's the part that sucks, right? He said his son is, is crushed over the Edwards trade. I know a lot of fans were excited about the potential of Brian Edwards and what he could bring to the table. So that's always, you know, that's always tough when you're a fan of a certain player and you're really a big fan of that player for one reason or the other, and then all of a sudden they're gone. And I tell this story all the time that I was a big Eddie Jones fan when he was a member of the Lakers. And then all of a sudden he gets traded right before I go to see the game and get to see him live. And I was like, damn it. And then I didn't realize when I told this story on the air last time, how many Eddie Jones fans there really were. I thought I was like on an island by myself. Then I found out there was a ton of Eddie Jones fans. I just didn't know it. But it's just, that's, that's what sucks is when you as a fan are ready to go see your favorite player play. And then all of a sudden that player is gone. You know, I'll give a baseball reference. I know when uh, when Ricky Henderson was at A and then he went to the Yankees, I was crushed. I was like, oh, man, he's going to the Yankees. That sucks. And then the day he came back, 
The day that, man, I thought Jesus had returned. <laughs> you know, no disrespect, Lord, but I thought Jesus had returned. I was so happy I was doing backflips, and I'm not a gymnast. That's like one, one thing about the schedule that's come out, and I was listening to the radio last night, Russell Wilson's return to Seattle. Mm-hmm. And what you just said right. as, hey, Ricky Henderson returns, favorite right. player. Yeah. What's that going to be like in, in that atmosphere? Oh, man, you know that place is going to be fired up. It's so funny. When I saw that on the schedule first, I was like, Denver and Seattle? I was like, that's not really a sexy game. You know, Monday Night Football is not yeah. sexy. And then I was like, oh, duh. Yeah. Russell Wilson's returning. Okay. Yeah, that's going to be – you know how I many fans are going to be there? Mm-hmm. And going to be – they're going to be like – they're, they're going to be torn. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, do I root for my home team, Seattle, or do I root for that guy who I've pulled for for a long time? Mm. It's going to be tough. That's sort of like going to be how when Peyton went back – to Indianapolis, right? As, as a member of, then uh, I think Denver has a history of doing this. Yeah, yeah, they do. <laughs> well, and what's funny is we're talking about Russell Wilson and we're talking about Peyton Manning. The guy who got traded was Brian Edwards. Yeah, you know what I mean. He's not any one of those guys. <laughs> he hasn't done any of that. You know, those guys are established. We're talking about Brian Edwards again as a as a guy who thought that he had potential to be something, just never turned out to be that way. So everyone wishes him luck. I believe. I don't think anyone has any ill will towards Brian Edwards. He never seemed like he was a bad guy. He was always respectful whenever I saw him. I think he's a good dude. Just just didn't cut it. Just didn't cut it. Sonia in Fresno said, Q, I think as Raider fans, we love our players, but we can't be afraid to upgrade. I think we shouldn't look past some of the free agents we picked up at wide receiver. That's Sonia in Fresno, and I couldn't agree with you more. I agree with you 100%. A lot of times... We as fans, and I say we because I get myself caught up in this sometimes too, and say, oh, man, not that guy. That guy, was he was going to be so good, and then he ends up going somewhere else and doesn't do anything. And you realize, oh, damn, that player wasn't really that good anyway, but I was just a big fan of him. And that happens. You know, I mean, and that's, that's why we are fans. You know, I know I get to stand behind a mic and talk, but, I mean, look, I'm a fan first. I wouldn't be here if I wasn't a fan. So it's just, it, it, it's just that's the situation. You know, we all... We all see the players that we like a lot, and and then all of a sudden, we don't want to let go. But again, if these guys in the front office are trying to upgrade the team, like Sonia said, and trying to make the team better, like Sonia said, you cannot be afraid to make a move. You know what I mean? Like you cannot be afraid to make a move. The Raiders also, this front office, for the some the ones that are angry at them, remember they still went out and made a move for Devontae Adams and brought him in. Like Sonia said, upgrade. They upgraded the position. That means they expect more from the regime, from the from the guys that are on the field. They expect a lot more. Sir Whiskey Ray hit us up, but he signed at Kayla. Q, I think trading away Brian Edwards was a fantastic move by our new regime. My immediate next move now is to change DeMond's favorite team from the Titans to our beloved Raiders. Sincerely, Kayla, a.k.a. Sir Whiskey Ray. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> I think this is a good text. Raider J in Sacramento in the 916 represent said, the number 89 jersey in Raiders is bad luck. Remember, Amari Cooper had number 89. Gone. Brian Edwards, number 89. Gone. <laughs> uh, who else had that? Uh, didn't James Jones have that when he fumbled twice? Fumbled twice in the same play? <laughs> Man, I remember talking to him at the Super Bowl. And we talked about that briefly, about that that fumble twice on the same play. Man, that had to been one of the worst worst plays that ever happened and really just happened out of out of effort. It's not because 
It's not because he was careless. It was just effort. He was trying to do the most. And, you know, sometimes you say you're trying to do too much, just get down. Uh, that's what that's what uh, James Jones needed to do, and he wasn't able to do that. So I can see what you're saying, though, Raider J, about that number 89. Definitely appreciate that. Uh, again, want to hear from you. Oh, I like this one. I knew Edwards was done. He looked like Tarzan, but played like Jane. Oh, that was a text from the 408. Uh, and sometimes there's guys like that. There's guys like that. He he had more skill and he brought more to the table than uh, Obi Melanfonwu did. But I call Obi Melanfonwu Bigfoot for a reason because you always hear the stories about Bigfoot. You always you know hear all the great how how, how massive this guy and he's such a monster, but you never see it on the field. And Obi Melanfonwu was the guy for the Raiders that was always talked about about being that dude and just never turned into being that guy. Another guy I call Bigfoot is uh, Brashad Perryman, that wide receiver. He was supposed to be the end-all, be-all. And, man, that dude, no one ever saw him be the end-all, be-all. They just heard about it. You know, so at least at least Brian Edwards did more than that. He did contribute uh, as a member of the Silver and Black. He did, both, he did more than both of those guys. I like it. Uh, Cucamonga Raiders said, okay, I'll admit it. I was butthurt when they traded C.O. Moore. LOL. Right. I like C.O. Moore. Didn't he come from, uh, what, UConn? Came from Connecticut, right? I like C.O. Moore. And I'll never forget, and I did forget his name the other day, but I'll never forget when him and Khalil Mack were both offsides when uh, when they were playing the Kansas City Chiefs that, uh, what, week 11 or week 12 in 2014 when uh, Latavius Murray had his breakout game. And if it wasn't for Justin Tuck calling that timeout the last second, Raiders probably would have lost that game. But I like C.O. Moore, man. I thought he was going to be the end-all, be-all. Man, this dude's a stud. Nope. Both Obi and C.O. were both from UConn. Oh, that's right. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. Yes. Maybe it's about UConn. <laughs> Maybe it's a UConn thing. No. Hey, we've, had a few, we've had a few winners. Ryan Griffin. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Dan Orlowski, he was okay, and then he – I believe he that was man, his he's most famous for stepping out of bounds. Yeah, in the end zone. Yeah. <laughs> in the end zone, he's most famous for stepping out of bounds in the end zone. So he, he doesn't get he doesn't get any love. And but Byron Jones probably the probably the one of the better ones. Yeah, he's the one. He's one of the ones that made it. Uh, the Raiders. Who was their safety that they had back in the day that was from UConn? Uh, uh, Light skinned dude. Oh man, I forget his name. Tyrant. Oh, what man. year? Oh man, now you got you're gonna get me lying to you, dog. <laughs> Yeah. They were still in Oakland. No, yeah. I, I, he was, uh, what was he, number 33. Oh, man, I can see him right now, man. He was a light-skinned dude, so his eyes kind of glowed a little bit. I'm trying to remember what his name was, but I'll get back to you on that. But, uh, yeah, he was from UConn, too. But anyway. To be fair, there haven't been many. No, exactly. There hasn't. But Byron Jones is probably the one that's been the most successful. Yeah. And yeah. if you've, I doubt anybody out here has paid attention to UConn football for the last decade. Right. But it hasn't been the best. No, no, no. But they got some athletes, though. Yeah. They and definitely have Jim, some athletes. And then Jim Mora Jr. is now the head coach of UConn. I've so never been. He was good with UCLA, and then he was okay with the Falcons. Yeah. Yeah. And that kind of tells you all you need to know when you say he was okay and he was okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, he was good, but, and he was okay here. Kind of let you, I was never really a big Jim Mora guy. Yeah. It's also more about the the NFL coaches going to college I think Harville is obviously the big example of that. Right. Went, was at Stanford, went to the Niners, and now is back in college with Michigan. Right. Who I don't know what the heck they're doing with him <laughs> because even if he beats Ohio State, his job is saved because right. that, that's just that type of job. And then he got to pay. He got to pay a raise as well. Yeah. There you go. Oh, got a couple of good texts. Thank you. See, look, I love the Salmon Ash text line, man, because everyone always backs me up. Big Dub Raider also got a text from the 408. Tyvon Branch. That was who I was talking about. That- 
was. Yeah, okay, yeah exactly. Him, yeah. yeah, he was, and he was a guy that I thought was a player. He was, a, he was a good little player, but I mean, he was just a good little player. He wasn't, you know, anything major. But uh, Raider J from Sacramento hit me up as well. Branch, yes, that's exactly who it was, man. Thank you so much for that. I do appreciate you. Let's get a quick call in, real quick at seven zero two three six five nine two hundred. Mitch in New Jersey, what's on your mind? Welcome to the show. Chill, what's happening, guys? Chilling, man. You know, first I thought when you came out with that trade to Atlanta, I thought we were getting Drake London in return. <laughs> yeah, that is wishful yeah. thinking. I would have done a couple of uh, cartwheels, and I never did that when I was young. <laughs> maybe maybe it would have fall, uh, fallen in my face. Um, very tough schedule. I think we can go 10-7. Uh, Wildcat at, wor- at worst, I think, for this year. And uh, what a tough division. Both, both the NFC, AFC and NFC, so it's going to be tough. I'm glad we got the holiday games, but I really don't like Thursday games. I'm, you know, kind of like screwing your favorite your, your favorite team. That's how I look at it. All right. Anyway, um, I want Miss Edwards. He he underachieved. He did. Almost as bad as Mr. Jamalcus Russell. Oh. We got some we got some players that the Hey, <laughs> and one more thing. This season sounds like you talk about the immaculate uh, reception. Yeah. How about the the tuck rule? And we're playing both these teams. Yeah. I think the tuck rule. They really went out of their way to screw the Raiders. Have a good weekend. Stay blessed. All right, there he goes. Mic drop right there from Mitch in New Jersey. I I like that, man. Thanks so much for that. We'll definitely get to that. Uh, Let's get one more call in, man. Let's talk to our guy Stove in Denver real quick. Welcome to the show. Just kidding. All right, how about Rich in the 510, Oakland, California? Rich, what's on your mind? I got you, Q. I won't hang up on you, brother. (laughs) That's all good. (laughs) Hey, but uh, regarding Brian Edwards, uh, obviously the – our coaches staff got in the building, seen him practice and everything. They were impressed with him. So uh, Ziggler getting a fifth rounder for him when he was probably going to get cut. I mm-hmm. think that's a dub right there. Yep. You know, um, regarding the 2020 draft, whoever it was, Mayock or Gruden, you know, Mayock's a GM, so I'm going to say he's Mayock. That was one of the worst drafts ever. We could say that now, right? Yes. Yes, absolutely. It's crazy. It's crazy that with all these busts and all these terrible draft picks that we've been through we still made the playoffs last year and we could honestly say that we upgraded our roster this year so even though the schedule is difficult we'll see because things can change you know with players getting hurt throughout the season so we'll see how difficult the schedule is but I feel like really optimistic and my prediction for this year is 12 and 5 on a good day and 11 and 6 on a bad day but I'm I have full confidence in the coaches staff they ain't messing around you know they mm-hmm. they're coming in the building if they don't if they don't see what they like they don't see something they like just with uh, our fullback obviously we loved them but you know Ziegler you know hey it is what it is it's it's part of the business you yeah. know he's doing what he has to do to improve the roster and I'm confident in them going forward and who know like let's not panic if we start off a little slow for the season you know a new coaches staff everybody has to you know gel together but I feel like what they're building right now is, is something special, and I love it, man. So y'all have a great day. Hey, thank you for the call, man. Great stuff. Great to hear from you. And, yeah, I'll say this. Uh, the Raiders really can't afford to start slow, though, because they got three out of the – or, excuse me, four – is it four? No, it's three. Three out of the first uh, five games, as a matter of fact, are all division games. So, yeah, obviously it'd only be three. But, yeah, three out of the first five games are all division games. So, I mean, depending on how that first five weeks go and then they go into the bye week, uh, man, they, they could either have a lot of work to do or they could be feeling pretty good about themselves. You know, I don't think there's really too much room for in between. I think that they ideally need to come out of that first five games and be sitting around three and two. I mean, that's probably the worst that they can do if they want to feel like they want to keep track. Now, look. 
They went on a four-game winning streak to end the season last year that I doubted. I didn't think it was going to happen. I thought they were done deals. They were dead in the water, and they weren't. So we all know that there's plenty of time. You're not, your season's not going to be told by the first five weeks. But I just think ideally for them, it would be great for them to come out of the first five. And we'll break it down three and two. I look over at my guy, Joseph, and I realize his shirt says UConn marching band on it. I've been talking about UConn guys, and all of a sudden he's got a UConn marching band shirt on. That's hilarious. I love it. Yep, Six, six years. Of that fun, of that fun, fun stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I catch all the sarcasm in my man Joseph's voice. Coming up next, Gilbert Manzano from the OC Register. Talk about one of those games. How about the very first game of the season in L.A. against the Chargers? We'll find out all about the L.A. Chargers next. This is Radio Nation Radio 920. That was the opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. It's time to take a look around the NFL with our weekly visit from John McClain from the Houston Chronicle. You need to see a dog make a play. No puppies, I need a dog to make a play. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Well, we're back. <laughs> we are not bringing in John McClain from the Houston Chronicle, but we are bringing in my guy Gilbert Manzano from the OC Register, and we thank you so much uh, for your time this afternoon. We definitely appreciate you. And uh, yeah, you're not you're not John McClain, but that's okay. <laughs> we got all we got all the love for you. And Gilbert, we do appreciate your time this afternoon. Uh, we're trying to take a look at the schedule, and of course, the Chargers are up first. And I mean, wh- how many storylines do you need for this one? I mean, you got Carver's Herbert, you got Adams versus J.C. Jackson, Chandler up against Slater, Khalil Mack against the Raiders. I mean, is there something I'm missing going into this game? I don't know, but I I, I just want to make sure I'm not John McClain. I'm not a legend in NFL <laughs> sports writing. It's just me, Gilbert Montano from Los Angeles. So it's just me, okay? Uh, but there are plenty of intriguing storylines in that first game. So as soon as I saw that schedule, Chargers, Raiders, the first thing you think about is that Week 18 classic thriller, whatever you want to call it, for the Chargers, a heartbreaker. Uh, Raiders fans go on to the playoffs, and, and to be part of that game, uh, I think you were there also. Uh, the atmosphere was insane. So to see Khalil Mack making his debut against, you know, you know this former team, the Raiders, and then the J.C. Jackson and Devontae Adams matchup, like you can, you can keep going on and on and on with the storyline. So uh, the thing I'll say this for the Chargers' point of view, you know, they have a lot of hype right now. Khalil Mack, mm-hmm. J.C. Jackson, the guys I've been mentioning, they have a lot of hype every single year. And all they keep talking about this offseason was about that Raider game, how their, their hearts were broken, uh, but it shows potential. So enough of, enough of the potential. Uh, what better way to show where you are, a measuring stick game, than playing a team that broke your heart a year ago uh, off the gate, the Raiders. So I'm intrigued, and I can't wait for September 11th for that one. Yeah, that's going to be a fun one. I'm looking forward to that as well. Of course, we're obviously months away, but still, I mean, just knowing the schedule now and knowing it's first up, what do you think the atmosphere is going to be like at SoFi with obviously Charger fans in the building, but Raider Nation is thick and they're going to be there in L.A.? How do you feel yeah. like that atmosphere is going to look like? Yeah, I guess that's a kind of a big question, Q, because a year ago they were opening the, the SoFi Stadium with fans. You know, They've been around since 2020, but it was the first year with fans. And you start thinking, you got to give them a game. We're not a big, large fan base for the Chargers. Uh, and, but that's kind of last year thing. This year, it doesn't matter anymore. They are going to get taken over by the Raiders. I'm going to keep it real. Uh, 2022 season opener at home. So I thought it was a little gutsy. Uh, but the Chargers don't make, don't call the shot. So it's going to be a lot of black uh, and silver at SoFi Stadium for week one. But, you know, maybe if you're the Chargers and you're saying, hey, you know, we got a bunch of fans here. People love Justin Herbert. People love 
all the signings and they love Brandon Staley, why not kind of compete? If you're, you know, if you're the Chargers fans, you want to go have, you know, the best of the best and bring out your gear and compete with Raider fans. It's going to be a good matchup uh, in the stand as, as the game. So, uh, but I'm not going to count on it. I'm going to say it should be for sure a, a very strong uh, Raiders uh, fan base supporting, you know, the team in LA. But uh, I have seen some strides here in, in Southern California for the Chargers to, to, you know, bring in a fan base. So, you know, making crazy videos uh, yesterday, the anime schedule, mm-hmm. uh, that helps out a long way to get some fans. Right. No, it really does. Again, we're talking to uh, Gilbert Manzano here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. So when you get your hands on the schedule, uh, what do you do? What are you looking for first? What kind of stands out to you the most? Yeah, you, you kind of see, you know, you go with the, how do they start, how do they end, uh, what are some tough road games, what, what are some kind of brutal stretches. And, and, and it's kind of funny. It's pretty easy with the charts. You could tell the first eight games are, are kind of, you know, besides the first two games that happened with the Raiders and the Chiefs, those, those are going to be tough divisional games. But it, it kind of opens up the first half of the year. You know, they got Houston in there. They got the Falcons in there. Uh, the Jaguars are in there. So, like, when, I, when I'm doing kind of the, the you know, win-loss picking off of the first glance, I'm thinking, hey, they could probably go 5-2, and 6-1 and one off the bat because, you know, you win one of those divisional games. After that, it kind of opens up. But then the back half, you know, after the, the Falcons game in week nine, starting from week 10 to the final game of the year, it, there are no gimmies. Like, it's going to be a tough, uh, brutal stretch. There's one stretch that's uh, 49ers, Chiefs, Cardinals, uh, and I want to say the last one might be Raiders. Actually, the Raiders are probably part of that. So uh, they still have to play the Dolphins, the Titans, the end of the year <laughs> against the Rams and, and the Broncos. They have football game in Indy on uh, in Christmas, uh, December 26th. And, uh, so there are no gimmies. And as you know, Q, this division is loaded. So, you know, the Chargers got better this year, you know, with Khalil Mack and J.C. Jackson uh, drafting Zion Johnson. But so so did everybody else in the, in, in the AFC West. So uh, I don't know. It's going to be a bloodbath in the AFC West. But uh, that first half and the second half of the schedule, they're two different stories. And you're going you're gonna to see what the Chargers are made of in that second half. Yeah, no, you really are. And you mentioned the first eight games and, and the fact that the Chargers play all three division opponents. And the Raiders do that. They do that in the first five games, and then they get a bye. But how critical is that going to be, you know, just to get off to a good start, at least in your division? Yeah, you, you, you don't, you don't want to go 0-2 uh, because you see the stats for the, for the teams that make the playoffs when they go 0-2. They're not the best. So you got to get a split for sure. You know, with that Raiders Chiefs uh, to open up, and that that Chiefs games on Thursday night football on the road in Week Two is going to be tough. I know there's no hill there in the division, but uh, that's going to be a problem. So, and the, the best thing, like I mentioned before, like for, for these Chargers, like every time we have a, an off-season uh, media interviews with with players, all they talk about is that Raider game in Las Vegas, <laughs> how their hearts are broken, uh, how they miss an opportunity. So they want to get some closure. They want to prove they're the real deal. Uh, then, then beat the Raiders at, at your house in week one. So uh, that's going to be kind of a tough game. So I, I, I could definitely see them, you know, you know, making up the Super Bowl week one because they want revenge so bad. Uh, and it could be potentially be a letdown game because you have to play KC uh, four days later. So uh, regardless of what happens and what order, you got to go at least one-on-one if the Chargers want to have a good year. Right, absolutely. And then they have a game, an interesting game to me, that's uh, January 1st. That's uh, L.A. versus L.A. Obviously, that game's going to be at SoFi Stadium, both home of the Rams and the Chargers. How cool is that going to kind of be just to be at a home-slash-away game, uh, both there at SoFi against the Rams and Chargers? Yeah, you know, when you talk about fan bases uh, for the battles of the fan bases for the Chargers, it's not really a competition when you're talking about the Raiders 
the Cowboys and the Steelers. But I think there is some competition in, in L.A. in their backyard. I think the Rams and Chargers, you know, you know, have a battle there. I think the Rams do have the advantage there because they won the Super Bowl. You know, they have ties in L.A. They have the history here. But, you know, when it comes to those two teams, I, I really feel like they're pretty close, closer. So come January 1st for that all-L.A. showdown, we're going to see how, how many Chargers fans come out in this uh, battle for L.A. I know the slogan got dropped, but uh, <laughs> they could use it for, for that game there on Sunday Night Football. So uh, technically a Chargers home game is going to be all powder blue, uh, but there's obviously going to be a lot of uh, you know Rams fans at that game. So And the Rams are still tough. I know they lost on Miller, but they, they, lo- they loaded up with Allen Robinson and some guys. So, uh, like I mentioned, to end the year with the Colts and the Rams and the Broncos, mm-hmm. uh, when we saw a year ago when they were fighting for a playoff uh, playoff spot and that didn't work out, it could be the same thing this year where maybe that Broncos game uh, right. could be the Sunday Night Football game. Could you imagine that? Could you imagine if it was comes, comes down to Week 18 again and all of a sudden it's the Chargers <laughs> and the Broncos fighting for a playoff spot, they've got to win that game, all of a sudden they think back to, oh, we were in the same position a year ago. Could you imagine the electricity that would be in that building if that were to happen? Yeah, just kind of the sense of, yeah, they, they might even kind of encourage that. Well, I know they want to get a playoff spot like that before that, but to kind of go through that again to show that you're, you're a better team, you know, that, that, that'd be kind of a cool storyline to, to happen, especially with the new quarterback there, Russell Wilson, uh, and it's in Denver. So uh, January 8th could be, or January 7th could be a big game. So uh, there's a lot of intriguing games in the AFC West. Yeah, no, it really is. And I'll, I'll tell you, selfishly, I'm, I'm hoping that that's what happens for the Raiders. I mean, they got the Chiefs week 18 at Allegiant Stadium. I'm absolutely hoping for a repeat of what we saw last year. I know that you can't repeat greatness, and that was one of those <laughs> that you just had to be there to, to soak it all in. But I'm hoping that something close to that happens week 18 for the Raiders and Chiefs at Allegiant Stadium. How about rookie minicamp? I know that's going on. That's going on for the Raiders as well, but the media is not allowed there. So we have no idea. We have no idea what's going on, but I know you're there for rookie <laughs> minicamp for the Chargers. How's that going so far? Interesting. What's going on over there in Las Vegas? Well, well you get a couple of things me, off I'll tell you. I'll tell you. If you remember, there was only one team in the league that never allowed media at rookie minicamp, and that was the Patriots. Well, <laughs> here you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they, that, that does make a lot of sense. There are a lot of familiar pages from New England. So, okay, I get it now, Q. Uh, but here at Chargers rookie minicamp, uh, you know, the, the kind of the big stories, obviously the, the first-round guard. Uh, Zion Johnson, because uh, they need the offensive line to work against the Raiders, as you know. Max Crosby, Chandler Jones, the new guy there in town. Uh, you know they don't have a right tackle currently, so they're kind of hoping one will pan out here in the minicamp, maybe, or one of the veterans do well. Uh, but so far, it is Zion Johnson. Like we, we saw the guy up close, massive biceps, you know, giant hands, giant feet. So in terms of the skill set, uh, everything you heard about the guy also in, in the pre-draft, a smart dude, big dude, strong, could be uh, NFL ready. And that would give the Chargers four linemen, uh, quality linemen to go off to go, you know, and play these games, but they're missing a right tackle. Uh, they do have an intriguing running back, Isaiah Spiller from Texas A&M. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, know, guy, you know, up close to him, I don't know how much of a big physical running back he is because that's what they need for the Chargers, but everything I heard about the guy, he has quickness, elusive, uh, you know, shifty. He could be an all-around running back. I don't know if he could be the the short yardage guy, but you could tell this guy has a high ceiling as a, as a full versatile back, which is interesting because they have Austin Eckler kind of do things like that as well. Uh, and then the kind of the, the unique storyline, you know, every time you have a rookie uh, minicamp, there's always one guy that kind of stands out who's been a veteran who's trying out. Mm-hmm. For the Chargers case, there's a 30-year-old punter who's six foot six, 240 pounds, 
has long blonde hair, and from the back, you thought it was Justin Herbert, but it was uh, <laughs> the punter Griffiths from USC. Uh, so he's kind of the, the, the story here. But other than that, not too much. You know, it's kind of a, you know, what can the, the linemen do? What can the running back do? And can they, one of these guys maybe pan out in the future? That's awesome. I love it. A 30-year-old punter that's out there with long hair. That's that's cool. That's a funny storyline in itself. And Gilbert, before we get out of here, uh, my man DeMond's not here today, but he's a guy who's not a big Brandon Staley guy. He thinks that, yeah, it's cool. He goes for it on fourth down. It's cool. He's got the analytics, but he thinks that everyone gives him too much props. How does the fan base feel uh, about Brandon Staley? Are they all the way in, or is there some that are kind of split and, and a little torn on him? Yeah, I was waiting for that question there because I get I always get one Brandon Staley question like, <laughs> what the hell is Brandon Staley doing and thinking on fourth down? I get those at least once in every interview. <laughs> there you go. Uh, but so what's funny, after the season ended, after the heartbreak here against the Raiders, there was a lot of finger pointing to Brandon Staley from the fans saying if he would have done this in that, that Casey game on Thursday Night Football, you know, they would have been on the playoffs. If he would have done this in that game, they would have been in the playoffs. Uh, if he did, never went for it on fourth down in the third quarter from his own, uh, end zone, they may would have been in the playoffs. So, or didn't call a timeout before Josh Jacobs got the first down. So there was right. a lot of finger pointing for Brandon Staley uh, after the season. But now that you know they go through the cycle of frequency, the draft, there's a lot of they went back to loving Brandon Staley because you know it was a rough ending. But everything he did in the beginning of the season to kind of get a new culture, uh, a new vibe. You know, get some of these players, you know, rolling, believing in themselves, and then also to be nine—that was it, nine and seven. I forget the nine and eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, the extra game also me off. You know, I think for people, it's like, hey, you know what? There is progress for a rookie head coach. It wasn't bad. Maybe it's a little reckless, right? Uh, but I, I think people, uh, you know, when they see Khalil Mack, especially because he has ties around the NFL now, Khalil Mack wants to play for him. J.C. Jackson wants to play for him. Uh, I think people see that as a as a win uh, for for their head coach, but. It's going to be interesting to see how he does it throughout throughout the season because, uh, you know, to, to me, I kind of enjoy it. You know, seeing those fourth downs, that you know, they're they're pretty. They make the game interesting. Uh, I think it's new age football, and then when you have a quarterback like Justin Herbert, you would think you want to go for a little more. So, yeah, I know he chose some bad spots to get a little aggressive, and sometimes you you got to waver from your philosophy. Uh, maybe that will be the thing you'll grow on as a coach to kind of feel out where where are the better spots to go for because. I don't think it was all about numbers and analytics because there's not enough time to go through the whole the chart of saying, hey, when do you go for it, when do you don't. Uh, it was more the feeling, the gut feeling. I think that's where you messed up. Now with one year as a head coach, he might be better at choosing the spot to go, to for, go for it on fourth down. It should be interesting. He's got a hell of a team to do it with. He's got a hell of a quarterback to do it with, too. I mean, roll the dice if you got to, and that's what he does. And uh, at least he is true to who he is, so I'm not mad at that at all. Well, Gilbert, fantastic stuff as always, man. It's great to catch up with you for a few minutes, pick your brand on everything. Chargers, of course, the Raiders and Chargers will square up week one at SoFi Stadium. What do you got coming out that we need to be on the lookout for maybe get a little bit of more background on the Chargers? Yeah, you know, I got the rookie mini camp uh, notebook coming out later today. So if you follow me on Twitter, GMontsilent24, you'll see me tweet it out. Uh, I do a good story, uh, a feature on Zion Johnson where I spoke to the to a bus driver who got him to play football. I spoke to his high school coaches. But after that, cue, I need to lay low a little bit. I got, I got to chill out. It's been too much work for agency with the draft. I do got to cover the Chargers, uh, you know, facility groundbreaking next week uh, in El Segundo. But after that, I'm, I'm going to try to take a vacation, enjoy myself, maybe go watch some baseball, do something, because I'm kind of fed up with football for right now. There you go. Hey, man, you got to get some downtime. I'm actually getting a little bit next week. So, uh, yeah, get it while you can. The season will be here sooner than you know it, and then you'll be full throttle football.
There you go. <laughs> hey, man, thank you so much for your time. Appreciate you. And I promise next time you, you're on the show, we're not going to call you John McClain. <laughs> <laughs> I got no issue with being called a legend. I like it. There you go. There you go. Well, thank you so much, Gilbert. Appreciate you. Have a great weekend. Thank you. Take care, Q. All right, brother. There he goes. Gilbert Manzano right there from the OC Register. No, he is not John McClain, but he is damn good at what he does, and we do appreciate him giving us a few minutes talking about the Chargers. And, man, what a game, right? Week one, SoFi Stadium. All we remember, the last regular season game was week 18, Allegiant Stadium, Raiders-Chargers, standing in the middle of the ring, just mano-a-mano, slugging it out. Well, they'll get a chance to do it again to start the season in 2022 on September 11th. 2.47 is the time. Many thanks to Gilbert. You want to chime in on the show? You want to give your feedback on the schedule? You want to talk about the trade of Brian Edwards? Holler at your boy, man. 702-365-9200. Sam and text line is 69187, keyword R&R. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Give me your best. Hey, Raider Nation, this is Hall of Famer Marcus Allen, and you're listening to Raider Nation Radio 920. <laughs> hey, Raider, hey Raider Nation, this is Marcus Allison. You listen to Radio Station 920. Say Raider Nation Radio 920. Raider Nation Radio Station 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. Got to give big ups to my guy Gilbert Manzano from the OC Register. Just joined us talking all things Chargers. That's the first team up on the Raiders' schedule. Coming up in the next hour, we'll hear from Cassie Soto from the Las Vegas Review-Journal. She'll join us at the top of the hour. And then Rob Collins from Fox Channel 4 in Kansas City will join us at 3.30 to talk all things Chiefs as they're the fifth game on the schedule for the Raiders. And the last game before they kick into the bye week, their first five weeks of the season, they have all three division opponents. You got the, you got the Chargers to kick things off. You've obviously got the Kansas City Chiefs, and then you also have the Denver Broncos, Russell Wilson, and 10 companies. So all three teams in the first five weeks should be interesting. Got a text. Uh, no disrespect to Gilbert, but to be honest, Khalil Mack has no choice but to play for Staley. He was traded for. Plus, J.C. Jackson would have played for Doug Peterson had he offered to overpay the, like the Chargers did. Not sure those two chose to play for Brandon Staley. And I understand what you're saying by the text, but... Brandon Staley and Khalil Mack do have history going back to the Chicago Bears, and uh, they had a lot of success in Chicago together. So I'm sure that that, that did play a little bit. And uh, I think that J.C. Jackson, he could have probably gone anywhere he wanted to. I know that the Raiders and the Chargers weren't the only two teams that were in on him. He did, I think, choose to go to the Chargers because of what they had there. I think Jalen Ramsey, or not Jalen Ramsey, excuse me, I think Derwin James uh, on that back end had a lot to do with it as well. I think Derwin James and uh, J.C. Jackson got on the phone together and did a little recruiting and said, hey, look what we got going on here in, uh, in L.A. You should come down down here. And our head coach is a defensive-minded head coach and think some good things could happen. So uh, the Raiders, one thing I respect about this regime, everyone doesn't have to agree with every move they make, but what I do respect about them is that they set a bar of what they're going to pay and then they don't go over it. So they were in on J.C. Jackson. But the, the money got too high, and they decided to say, okay, well, go on to L.A. then. Go on and make it happen. I have to tell you the story about the wife and the, and the fruit and the knife salesman at some point when we have another chance. We don't have time right now, but just remember that saying, go on, go on, get your little knives, go on, get your little fruit. Just remember that. I'll tell that story before the show's over. I promise. That's an epic story. I told it in Central Texas. You got to hear about it. But let's go out to the phone lines real quick. Let's talk to our guy, Root. No, no, Juan. Juan the Smasher. What's up? Welcome to the show, my man. What's up, Q? What's going on? Chilling, man. Chilling. Yeah, man. I'm excited, man. I'm fired up, bro. I cannot wait, man. <laughs> I've been waiting for this since, like, uh, taxes. You know what I'm saying? When I used to get the money, bro, I don't get nothing no more. Everything goes to baby mama. But other than that, I'm I just know saying, that's right. <laughs> man, I'm just, boy, 
Hey, that week one, your homie over there in L.A., when he was talking about these discharges, all I heard was uh, Charlie Brown's teacher. Wah, wah, wah. Trash. Hey, I don't <laughs> care about those guys, man. All I'm saying, by week five, we're going to know. See, we're going to see what's up. Because these guys over here are still crying about that week. Week 18, cool. Because they're going to keep crying again because we're going to smash them. You know what I'm saying? And then we're going to smash DeMond's team. Sorry, DeMond. <laughs> After that, then the donkeys. And then the one that I care about the most, it's damn cheese. I cannot stand those cats, bro. If we lose to those guys at home, or at KC, I understand. But at home, if we lose to those guys by more, no, I don't even want to even lose, bro. Fat Andy Reid, stupid Mahomes, and Kelsey in the stupid laugh and smile after he gets the first down, bro, I'm going to lose it. I'm going to lose it, Q. I cannot stand well, these cats, bro. It. We don't want you to lose hey, it, brother. <laughs> I'm just saying, let's go Raiders. There he goes. One, the smasher right here in the 702. Appreciate the call. And I'll say this. That stood out to me when Gilbert said that they're still talking about that Week 18 loss. That could be a bad thing for them. You got to let things go. You know, I say sometimes L-I-G it, let it go. You got to let things go. If they're still dwelling on that Week 18 loss, I thought that was a good nugget. Thank you, Juan, for bringing that up. That was a good nugget. He said that multiple times. All they can keep talking about is that Week 18 loss. If they're still stuck on that, that could be a problem for them. That means the Raiders could already be in their head come week one because they're still thinking about that week 18 loss. Just a little nugget to put in your, in your back pocket. I like that. Let's get one more call. Ruben in Vegas. What's on your mind, Ruben? Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Q. Uh, hope all is well with DeMond, man. I, I love the chemistry you guys have on, and I haven't heard him in a few days. So hope all is well with him. Get well, DeMond, if you're hearing this. And um, really quick, man, I was watching the draft yesterday, and I had it locked on on Radio Nation 920 in my garage, you know, my little AM radio. And then I was watching the coverage on ESPN and whatnot. It was all bullcrap. So I went, I got a notification from YouTube about the Raiders were having something live. And there I go, I see you with uh, Eddie Pascal. And then I hear you with uh, Vinny Montanero at the same time. You, you got skills. You got skills. <laughs> That's what I do. That's what I do, dog. <laughs> Have a good weekend. All right, brother. Go Raiders. Hey, appreciate you, man. Yeah, that was a lot of fun, man. Thanks for the call. That was a lot of fun being a part of that uh, with Eddie uh, over at the Raider facility, Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. We did a whole breakdown of the schedule, and uh, having it on YouTube is pretty cool. Uh, I'm not a guy that's ever really cared about like the TV or whatever and, and being seen. I'd rather just be heard than seen. I'm not that guy. But um, it's pretty cool, man. It's pretty cool when people hit you up and be like, hey, man, I finally see what you look like, man. I, you know, I saw you on YouTube or something. So that's pretty cool, man. So thanks for, uh, for the acknowledgement. And then, yeah, I did double down and talk to Vinny as well. So it was a very busy day yesterday, but that's what we live for, right? We do this because we love it. So thank you for that call. I know we got more calls coming up. Hold on. Don't go nowhere. Coming up to start the next hour, we got Cassie Soto from the RJ. She'll join us to talk about the Raiders' schedule, what she thinks about it, what stands out to her the most. This is Raider Nation Radio 920.